Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. Welcome to another edition of the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. I'm your host today. We bring you episode 6-1. And like always, if you want my show notes, please head over to drpierresblog.com forward slash LLP061 or head over to lunchlearnpod.com where you can get uh, a chance to listen to the episode at the website or your favorite podcast uh, platform that you like to listen to your podcast from. Today we're going to be talking about why your physician is cheating on you. We're going to be talking about who's to blame and what you can do about it. And uh, first and foremost, I want to thank all of those uh, listeners from last week's episode who sent me messages, comments, like, shared. Uh, again, it's much appreciated when you guys kind of show uh, that you like to listen to the episode, that you actually listen to the episode. And uh, we had that amazing guest, Maria Davis-Pierre, who's the CEO of AutismInBlack.org. And we talked about autism in the black community. Most importantly, we talked about what are we doing for the parents and caretakers of those with autism and why it's so important. Make sure we don't lose focus on them. But for this episode, we're going to get serious. We're going to be talking about physician suicide. We're going to be talking about physician burnout. And we're going to be talking about all these other different factors that's really aiding in the fact that your physician is cheating on you, right? So stay tuned for another amazing episode. And like always, if you love it, like it, share it, throw the comments on there. If you have Apple Podcasts, go ahead and throw me a five-star review. I, can, I, I can't have too many of those, right? So, so let's get ready for another amazing episode today. So this week, again, we're going to be Diving into the question, is your doctor cheating on you? And I'm sorry to break the news. I'm going to answer this question pretty quickly in the episode. The answer is yes. And the reason why you're going to stay and listen to this episode because you want to know why your doctor cheating on you, right? Because I think that's more important, right? A lot of us need that closure and a lot of us need that answer, right? And I'm going to give you the answers today why your doctor is cheating on you and why it's so important. That, and again, I want to tell you right now, it is not your fault if you're listening if you're driving, you're listening to this while you're at home, while you're at work, I just want to let you know it is not your fault your doctor cheating on you. These are things that are happening way before your doctor even saw you in that office or saw you in that clinic. Uh, but unfortunately, because of it, your doctor's cheating on you, right? So what am I talking about, right? Like, for example, let's. I want to bring us back to the beginning. Like, why did your doctor become a physician in the first place, right? Like, what was his... Like main driver goal, right? I've been through a lot of medical school interviews. I've had a lot of medical school mentees. And when I ask them, why do they want to be a doctor? Usually in one way, shape or form, they say they want to care for others, right? Like That's a big driver that goes through a lot of personal uh, statement essays that I've read that, you know, it's about caring, it's about caring, it's about caring. And I think that's true, right? I think a lot of us generally like caring for others and like to be able to make that difference, right? I think that's the most important thing, right? When we say caring for others, it's not necessarily like the fact that they directly want to care for others, right? They are extremely happy and proud of the fact that they are able to make a difference in someone else's life, right? So I think those two things are some of the biggest reasons why 
people become physicians and uh, why when they were pre-medical students, why they were pre-med in elementary school, right? They, like, they just knew, right? Because that feeling of helping someone and feeling of making a difference in someone's life was such a big factor for them, right? They, that they, they couldn't think of another career choice that would have gave them that same satisfaction, right? And I think last but not least, right, and again, I'm, this is a very short reason, right? There's plenty of reasons, but I think the main one, right, is, you know, the money and the prestige, right? And I know money, for some reason, especially when we're talking about doctors, right, is this, like, evil term that we don't like talking about. I'm not sure why, but I could tell you money and prestige is a big reason why a lot of my friends became physicians in the first place right and you'll i want you to kind of think about those themes right we i talk about caring for others i talk about being able to make a difference i talk about money i talk about prestige and you're going to start maybe you know being able to build up some reasons right on the top of your head of why your doctor is cheating on you right like what's happening right that's making these doctors less interested in the field of medicine right so again i say cheating on you a lot of times I'm I'm really addressing the the hyperbolous fact that your doctor does not want to be a doctor anymore, right? Again, your doctor is working in a hospital, working in a clinic, uh, working at the school, teaching. Like your doctor's doing a lot of things, but they day in and day out, they're beginning to ask themselves the question more and more. Like, do I want to keep on doing this? And unfortunately, they're doing this at a rate that. We unfortunately cannot keep up, right? Like we do not have enough medical students, medical schools, residencies in in America, right? To uh, keep up with the man of people wanting to leave the profession, right? Or leaving the profession uh, unwillingly, right? And and f- unfortunately, right? Now I'm going to talk about that later on uh, in the podcast today. So I think you know first and foremost, right? Like the, I think the big thing, right? And I think we've been kind of dancing around the term, right? Physician burnout, right? Like that is a huge term. When you get a chance, of course, after you're done listening to the podcast episode, I want you to just Google those two words, physician burnout, and see how many articles are coming out day in on day out, month after month on the same topic, right? Because it's something that's playing a huge factor in the fact that your doctor's leaving you, right? Like it's playing a huge factor in the fact that you're having trouble finding a doctor, right? It's playing a huge factor in the reason why your healthcare costs so much, right? Because physician burnout is real and it is becoming much more apparent. And I think in the past where we tried to downplay it, now we don't have that option no more, right? Because the numbers are uh, astounding, right? Unfortunately, right? So uh, just a couple of things, right? Especially when we talk about physician burnout, what do you mean, right? We're talking about a physician who is burnt out, right? Tends to be uh, much more stress uh, placed upon them, right? A physician who is burnt out tends to be much more depressed as well, right? And these are some startling numbers, right? I've said this on a podcast and even on uh, the blog post uh, in the past, 300 to 400 physicians commit suicide every year. Now, I want you to kind of think about that. Like, I went to Nova Southeastern University, College of Osteopathic Medicine. Our class was about 200. And we had, especially among medical schools, one of the largest medical school classes, right? Our class was 200. But every year, I'm losing about two times as much of my entire class to suicide. And, and these are people in what you would consider the, the peak of 
career pinnacles. Like again, they're the physicians. They're the quote unquote top of the food chain when it comes to healthcare, quote unquote. And I really have to stress that because they're not. Right. Uh, but of course, in the lamest term, you think, again, for a lot of people growing up, like, yes, I can't wait to be a doctor. Right. Because I like I, all of those like uh, prestige that comes with it. Right. And unfortunately, it's just not there no more. Um, also, some telling facts. Female physicians are 130 percent higher chance to commit suicide than the regular population of females. Right. So if you're a female physician, you have 130 percent higher chance of committing suicide. If you're a male physician, you actually have a 40% higher chance of committing suicide than just other regular males, right? So again, this is something that when we talk about physician burnout, we're not just talking about a person who's just like tired, like, ah, you know what, I'm done, I'm, I'm, I quit, right? A lot of these people are taking their life because they're so tired and they're so frustrated in a system that for many of us, right, many of us, especially uh, if, you, if you're not aware of how long it takes to become a physician, right? Let me just give you a quick breakdown if, if all everything works well, right? You have to do, you know, at least four years of undergrad, right? If you, and that's if you finish on time, right? Four years of medical school. And right after you do medical school, you still have to choose your specialty, right? Like you still have to choose which type of physician you're going to be. And that time frame can range from three years minimum to up to like eight years, right? So I want you to, again, just, you know, quick math with us, right? Four years undergrad, four years medical school, three to eight years of a, a, sub, a, a specialty, right? So we're looking at the bare minimum 11 years since you started undergrad that it takes you to become a physician, right? 11 years, right? And these are people who are dedicated 11 years of their life. And if they're like me, right, it's usually the best years ever, right? Like, I remember, especially as, as a 21-year-old, what I was doing. I remember as a 25-year-old, what I was doing. And you know what it was? It was studying for a test, right? Like, it, like those like two events, right, that are supposed to be important when you're growing up, right, 21, 25, right? I remember studying for tests, right? Like, we give up a lot of people. I don't say we, a lot of people, right, give up their 20s to become a physician, right? Like, then we don't even remember what happened during our 20s, right? We got out of school, out of high school at 18, and next thing you know, we were getting out of medical school and residency, and we're about to be 30, right? Like, and that's if you went all the way through, uh, no stops, no breaks. Most people, unfortunately, do not, right? So that's, that's you know, that's sad, right? Like, that's, that's again, if, if, if you, if you want to feel bad for physicians, right, like, you know, we can start there, right, uh, that they're experiencing uh, way too much stress and uh, way too much pressure, right? Like, I joke, but I say that physicians are one of the few careers that you have to be correct 100% of the time, right? Like, imagine, imagine if you go to your lawyer, you pay your lawyer for his case, and you don't win, right? You can't go and say, hey, well, you know, since you didn't win, I need my money back, right? No, you can't do that. But as a physician, right, because what we deal with is a life or death situation every single day, a, de a bad decision, right, can cost someone's life, right? A bad decision uh, could be the reason why you don't see grandma anymore, right? A bad decision is the reason why you don't see your mom anymore. A bad decision is the reason why you don't see your son or daughter anymore, right? So imagine having that undue, that, that stress, right, thrown upon you, Every single day you go to work, right? 24-7, right? Like, that's the, the stress, right? The stress level, pressure level that 
that we sign up for in the beginning, right? And again, I, and I always try to stress this to my medical students because sometimes I, you know, I don't know if they really realize, like, hey, you know what? Uh, this is happening, right? Like, this is what you're signing up for. Right? I just want to make sure you understand what you're signing up for. And and it's getting to the point, right? And again, I talked about physicians, right? But it's getting to the point where now we're talking about medical student burnout, right? Like, isn't that crazy? Like, again, these, these are people who, again, if you're like me, you wanted to be a doctor since you were in, like, elementary school, right? And you get to medical school, and you don't even graduate medical school before you start feeling less optimistic, before you start feeling more jaded, more depressed about your decision for going to medical school, right? And these are studies, again, and I have uh, uh, notes uh, in the show notes. I have links to some of these articles, right, that's, you know, scary and astounding, right? And I think as a patient, right, as a person who's listening to this episode right now, and you're wondering, like, wow, that's crazy, right? But, like, how does that, like, affect me, right? Like, like I'm going to just give you some, think, let's think about it, right? Like, if you're having less physicians, right, less experienced physicians out in the workforce, you best believe quality is going to suffer, right? If you have less experienced physicians out in the workforce, you best believe safety is going to suffer, right? And I talk about physicians, right? This really stretches, stretches to um, most of my health professionals, right, including nurses, right? And again, it's, I think nurses are someone where we, we kind of forget Nurses have to deal with a lot of people, right? Especially, and shout out to my nurses who listen to the podcast, right? Uh, nurses have to have a lot more patients, a lot more. Because again, especially I'm a hospital medicine doctor. I may see my patient, you know, in that morning time for a good 20, 30 minutes. And theoretically, I don't necessarily have to see them at all, right? That whole day, right? But my nurse who's there for 12 hours has to see them, you know, almost every hour, every time they call the call, hit the call bell, they got to see them, right? So they have to deal with them much more frequently and actively than I even need to. And I'm the physician, right? So the nurses get it too, right? But especially my physicians, right? Where, you know, we're getting beat down, we're getting broken. Um, and it's happening not just when you're a physician, right? But even uh, we're starting to hit the medical students, right? And that's, I think that one for me is more sad because I'm like, wow, like we're, like we're, 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 we're getting, you know, the dream and, you know, that glow in a person's eye right out of there before they graduate medical school, right? Which is absolutely crazy to me, right? So again, you got to be concerned, right? You got to be concerned that if you have less physicians out there, quality is going to suffer, right? You got to be concerned if you're having less physicians out there, safety is going to suffer, right? You have to be concerned, right, that if a job turnover because your physician uh, burnout is so high, it is increased, right? You, it's going to be associated with physicians making poor decisions, right? It's going to be associated with physicians, you know, saying, hey, you know, I'm about to leave out of here. I don't even care, right? So imagine, right, one of the, the tenets that you went into medicine for, right, caring for others, making a difference, right? Imagine that being gone. Right. And all you have left. Right. All you have left is the money. Right. It could be a very tenuous situation. Right. Uh, studies have shown that those who have higher risk for physician burnout um, have are much more likely to be associated with job dissatisfaction. Of course, much more likely to have an intent to leave their job. So these are people who like they can't wait. They're counting down the days. So they till they get out their job. Right. And I'm gonna put I'm gonna turn the camera on me, right? Like I'm gonna turn the camera on me right now. I remember when I was at Bethesda Hospital, right? That was my old job. I was outpatient medicine, loved my patients, but I absolutely hated, hated, hated that corporate structure. 
and administration. I absolutely hated it, right? Like it was just something that I just could not uh, stand to bear because I was in a situation where I really felt like, you know what, regardless of what I do, right? Like I had people who did not go to school as long as me telling me how to practice medicine, right? And it just irked my nerves to the fullest, right? So I can tell you, I, like when you, when you talk about job dissatisfaction, it was right there, right? Fortunately for me, I never let it, you know, ooze down to the patients, right? Like, my patients never felt that, right? Like, you know, I, I didn't even have an attempt to leave my job, right? I was still going to stick around uh, until, you know, a, a better job came looking for me, right? Uh, you know, shout out to Wellington Regional Hospital. Um, but again, that's that's what happens, right? Like, you, you, just, you just become so dissatisfied. You hate going to work. You hate pulling up uh, your car in the, in, the, in the parking lot, right? All these things just continue to happen, right? And if physician burnout be, continues to become a thing, you best believe healthcare costs is going to suffer, right? Because if you're having less physicians out there to take care of that growing population, right, you're going to have a demand issue that's going to cause healthcare costs to, to shoot up off the roof, right? Because again, someone's got to take care of them, right? So now they're going to have to pay more and more people who may not be as qualified to kind of take care of this population because they just don't have enough physicians uh, to do to do so. And I, I've kind of already like hinted, right? So again, we, you know, what, what's the cause of this, right? Like, why is my physician, why is my doctor cheating on me, right? Like, I, I'll, honestly, right, these are some points, again, I'll, I'll, I'll put this, uh, the show notes, I'll put this uh, link in the show notes, right, work hours, right? A lot of physicians, right, are being burnt out just by the sheer number of hours they're having to put in on the clock, right? Again, these are people who had to dedicate at least 11 years of their life, and now they're, they're working a ridiculous amount of hours. Again, I remember as a resident, I was working, like, on average, especially when I was on medicine service. I'm Obviously, uh, if you follow me, you know I'm a board-certified internist, right? As a medicine, I used to work, do on average about... 70 80 hours like easy right like i was like oh yeah i could do 70 to the point where when i would do an outpatient medicine rotation and only have 40 hours i felt like i wasn't doing anything right like like that's how much they ingrained that craziness of work hours right where i was doing 70 to 80 hours right getting paid pennies right 70 to 80 hours right as a resident right and i thought like that was the norm right so imagine once you finish and you become an attending and you're still working those crazy. Again, most of them aren't working at 70, 80 hours, but they're working pretty crazy from, from that standpoint, right? So again, that was something that definitely plays a role in this, uh, you know, reason why your, your doctor cheating on you out here. Um, the time spent at home doing work, right? Like, I want y'all, want y'all to really think about that, right? I've already talked about how physicians are spending a lot of time at work in general, right? They're just spending a lot more time at work. But imagine not only are you spending all that time at work, but then when you go home, then when you go home to your spouse, then when you go home to your kids, or then when you just go home to your your your, your fortress of solitude, you still got work to do, right? You still got paperwork you got to take care of, right? You still got uh, charts you need to close, right? Like, imagine that, right? Imagine that happening once a week or twice a week or three or like every single day, right? Like you got something you got to bring home. And the reason why you bring it home is because you don't, you just don't want to be in that place anymore, right? Sometimes I'll, I'll be, I'm guilty, right? Sometimes I will leave my job to finish notes here just because I don't want to be in that building anymore, right? I'm like, let me get out of here, right? Let me, let me get a fresh sense of air and let me get back to my, my house, my, my kids. I'm, I'm, let me get out of here for that, right? So the time spent at home just doing work becomes an issue. 
this work home conflict, right? Where you don't necessarily know, like, hey, like, I got to do all of this stuff for work. But I got I got home stuff to take care of too, right? Like I got personal commitments to take care of and I can't even do so because I'm doing so much work over there, right? Again, that may that may fly cool for like the first month, the first three months, or even the first year, but after a while, you know what, that spouse is gonna be looking at you like, hey now, like you know, I don't think we signed up for all of this, right? Like you're you're never home or when you are home you're not here. Like that's something to think about for sure. And this one, like this one kind of spoke to me, right? Like this perceived powerlessness right like as a physician right again you you've climbed up the ladder right you studied a test right you studied the organics the physios the chemistries the biochems all you studied all of these courses right you know how to take care of patients how to save patients lives and then you go and you have an administration telling you hey i need you to do it this way right a person who has no clinical background judgment whatsoever is telling you hey you should do it this way here Right. Or, hey, you know what? This patient has a stroke. And even though, you know what, they, they can't move their whole left side of their body. Please make sure you put a cholesterol medication on their chart. Right. Like that's some of the things that happens like today. Right. Like, again, I wish I was being hyperbolist. Right. But that, like that literally, again, I'm a hospital medicine doctor. So that happens to me all the time. Like I have patients in the ICU, you know, huge stroke, not moving, not doing anything. And I have someone in administrative saying, hey, you know what, uh, this patient uh, was diagnosed with a stroke and they should have aspirin on their chart. Can you put aspirin on there? And when I say something like, oh, this patient like can't even open their eyes right? or this patient, you know, can't even eat. Right. Like it's, it's I'm sorry, but, you know, the rules are like that's what that's what happens. Right. So it's a crazy thing that's happening in medicine now. And I think uh, last but not least, you get this false sense of hope. Right. And again, you, you've been striving to care for others since you were little. You've been striving to make a difference since you were little, right? You're also striving to get some money uh, since you were little, right? But then you start realizing that, hey, you know what? As a physician, I ain't really getting all of this money that, you know, is being spent out here, right? As a physician, right, I'm not caring for others like I thought I would be, right? As a physician, you know what? I'm not making the difference that I thought I should be, right? Like all of these things that you said, boom, I need to do this, this, and that, it ain't happening. Right. So all these things just kind of hit you like over the head. Like and and again, this again, this usually doesn't hit you on the first day. Right. Usually doesn't hit you on the first month. Right. But over time and day after day, Monday through Friday, over, over and over again, that's when you start experiencing. Right. Like that guilt. Right. And that's when you start breaking away. Right. For those who may have been in a relationship. Right. Where you realize, you know, what, it was time to get away from this other person. Right. That's what's happening now especially in uh, healthcare, right? Especially with a lot of physicians, right? Like they're, they're filling this, this gap, this, this, this void that needs to be filled in right now. Medicine just isn't filling it anymore. So they're trying to leave, right? They're trying to cheat on you to get up out of there, right? So I want you to think about that. And like, who's affected, right? Uh, this, this, again, um, this may shock a lot of people, right? Like younger physicians, right, are much more likely to have physician burnout than older physicians, right? Like, what does that mean? Like, I want you to think about that. Younger physicians are much more likely to say, you know what? This ain't for me, right? I'm getting up out of here, right? Then your older physician, right? By older, the the article described uh, physicians older than 55, right? Which is absolutely crazy, right? Female physicians also are much more likely to be burnt out. And again, this isn't a shocker if we if you, you remember earlier 
in the podcast, I talked about how you have a 130% higher chance to commit suicide, right, as a physician if you're a female, right? So again, of course, they're going to feel much more than undue stress that they would just feel in general, right? Uh, those with children, right? Like, and this, and this is, again, I was like, oh, all right, when are they talking about me, right? Those of us with children, are, again, are much more likely to experience that, that burnout, right? And that kind of points to the fact that, you know what, there's a lot of time spent at home, but you're not really home, you're doing work, right? Or there's a lot of conflict and scheduling and conflict and just uh, workability, right, when we talk about uh, the work-home issues when it comes to being a physician, right? So the parents also are much more likely uh, to, you know, experience that burnout than others. Next, and I think this, I thought this was funny, right? If your spouse or partner is a non-physician, right? And this, like, again, if you've read my um, blog, you know, uh, Dating a Medical Student, right? Like, uh, one of the key things I said is that when you're a physician, right? When you're a medical student, right? All you think about is the medicine, right? All you think about is, uh, you know, how can I get to that next step, right? But if you're with someone who really ain't in that same mindset, right? Like, if you're someone who didn't go to medical school, or one of these like really schools that cause you to be like almost like have to be in love with your school and like almost ignore everything else, right? You're gonna get a lot of pushback, right? Because they're just not gonna be able to understand, unfortunately, like all the stuff you got going on and you know why you gotta dedicate so much time to uh, th- this case over here, right? Why do you gotta do your try? Like they're not gonna really necessarily understand that. So those who have a spouse or partner who isn't a physician also are more likely to experience burnout, right? Which, again, I thought it was very interesting uh, just kind of reading the articles uh, from that standpoint there. Now, of course, you know, uh, with my lunch and learning community, you know that I always try to look for the ethnic and racial, uh, you know, backgrounds and how are we affected, right, especially in the African-American community. And right now, from a physician standpoint, there isn't many studies that point to a fundamental difference between who's burnt out more but um, they did look at medical students, which is, I thought was, again, another interesting caveat uh, in, in the uh, presentation. They looked at medical students and showed that medical students um, had uh, a prevalence of burnout lower in the African-American community than those in the Caucasian community, right? And I got my theories, right? I got my theories on it of why African-Americans are probably less likely to say, you know what, I'm done. Like, I, I can't do this more. I'm not going to do this. Um, when they're a medical student versus the Caucasian, uh, you know, um, contingent, right? And I think a lot of that just deals with the fact that for, I think, again, I know I hate to say majority, right? But let's say a good amount or a good amount are saying, you know what? Like, I've been through a lot more stress than this. So, you know what? If this is just an added bit of stress, I'm here for it, right? Where I don't think um, our Caucasian contingent uh, experiences that much stress leading up to medical school, right? Uh, so I, I think that plays a big factor. Again, I don't know. I'm just kind of hypothesizing why I think that is the case uh, in, in that regards, right? So again, and and I, I want to tell you, right? Like I wish I was like just reading this on you know uh, an article and saying, oh, you know what, this is a good theory, right? But let me tell you, right? I'm in Facebook groups right now, right? Multiple Facebook groups with physicians who are trying to get out that relationship, right? I'm in. Multiple face group groups where physicians are like planning their exit up out of there, right? So again, I'm telling you, this isn't like you know something that you know Dr. Barry just kind of like he thinks about or just his you know his close circle is kind of uh, hypothesizing. No, no, no. There's a lot of physicians out here who can't wait to jump out 
and do something outside of medicine, right? Who can't wait uh, to jump out and kind of branch off, right? And, you know, again, let's turn the camera on myself, right? One of the one of the reasons why I started, you know, Dr. Barry, Dr. Peter Block, and all these things there is because I wanted, like, a different outlet to kind of express myself because I realized that traditional outlook of being a physician just wasn't going to be for me, right? So that's why, you know, I do the blog. That's why I do the video. That's why we're doing the podcast, right? And because I just felt like I, I didn't want to be confined to what that traditional physician does, right? And I think, you know, having these outlets to talk to you guys, to talk to you directly, and, you know, try to affect change directly and serve you guys directly has been a big help for me, right? So I think that's why a person like me necessarily isn't affected by burnout, but I could definitely understand why a lot of my colleagues um, are in that regard, right? So I think, what can you do, right? Like, you're, you've, you've listened to this, right? You got to the end, right? And you said, man, like, Dr. Barry's telling the truth. Like, I need to go talk to my primary, like, right now and just say, hey, please don't leave me, right? Like, what can you do, right? And honestly, for, for a lot of them, you really, there's really not much you can say, right? Because for a lot of them, depending on where they're at in their career, where they're at in their mental health capacity, right, a lot of them are probably already gone and plotting, right? Like I said, again, I wish I could lie and say that, you know what, those groups that I'm in, that have physicians who are plotting their way out are like 100, 150, but like they're in like the tens of thousands, right? Like there's a lot of physicians out here who are boop, 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 like plotting the door to head up out of there, right? And, and that's something that I really need how to kind of get, right? So again, the next time you see your doctor, right? Next time you see your, your internist, your family man physician, your pediatrician, your surgeon, your cardio, whoever you see, right? The next time you see that, right? Next time you run into your nurse, right? Or you run into the nurse of, a person who's taking care of your family member, right? Just say thank you, right? Say thank you for doing what you do. Thank you. And let them know how much you appreciate their work, right? Because if, if and I can tell you that's going to make a difference. I can tell you that's going to uh, like change their day. Like if they were sad that day and they hear someone say, hey, you know what, Dr. So-and-so, hey, nurse so-and-so, I love the fact that you are taking care of me. I love the fact that you're taking care of my family member. And I appreciate all the hard work that you do. You will make the day and they'll be talking about you for at least a week, right? Because honestly, it don't happen that often, right? Especially, again, I'm, I may be skewed, right? Because I'm in the inpatient world now where a lot of people ain't happy to be in the hospital, right? And they're really not very lovey-dovey uh, with the person who gets them like, from the ER room and outside the hospital, right? They don't really get lovey-dovey with that. Outpatient world is a little bit different, right? They used to love me in the outpatient world. Inpatient world, they don't love me as much. I guess I'm not sure what I'm doing out there. But again, I want y'all to think about it. You know, just and also work with your physician, right? Again, you know, if your physician wants you to take a medication, you know, you need to be taking that medication. Please take that medication, right? You know, again, quick side caveat: I got a patient I'm taking care of right now in the hospital uh, who had a stroke, right? And why did this patient have a stroke? Because they did not take blood pressure medication that the doctor told them to do. They said, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel anything, so I didn't want to take it, right? And I, I wish I could tell you that this person is telling me that, but the stroke was so massive, they can't say anything, right? So I want you to think about that, right? Like, just, just follow the directions that your doctor is trying to get you to do, right? To be healthier, right? Like, that's all I want you to do. You want to look out for your physician, right? You want to, like, say thank you for your physician. Just do that, right? Just be compliant on your medication. Be compliant with your treatment, and it'll go a long way. And so for that, I end, I say, I apologize that I had to break the news to you. 
but your physician is cheating on you, right? And for some of you, your physician may not leave today. They may not leave tomorrow, but they may already be on their way, right? And that's okay, right? Just understand it's not you, right? It's them, right? It's not you. It's the system, right? You're okay, but the system has unfortunately failed them, and that's why they got to leave. You know, stay tuned next week for another great episode, and remember, uh, empower yourself for better health. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Lunch Learn with Dr. Barry. Please head over to Lunch Learn Pod. Dot com where you'll get the most recent episodes as well as today's show notes for your listening and viewing pleasure. And like always, depending on where you're listening this to, please subscribe to the podcast so you can get all the latest episodes sent directly to you. And we are at all of your favorite podcast listening stations, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Stitcher Radio. Again, thank you for taking the time to listen and empower yourself to take control of your health, and we'll see you next week.